we all have these ideas of what we want for our lives and for ourselves, whatever. That is the ego speaking. And there's nothing wrong with having the ego and the individual self, but we're also part of an enormous system that is working in ways that is way beyond our capacity to understand. <laughs> so if you can let go to some extent of your desire and just flow with the energy, I'm not saying don't move towards your goal, but you also need to be fluid and open because the universe will bring you all kinds of magic, all kinds of connections, all kinds of things. If you're open to it and if you're paying attention, most people are not paying attention. Hey everybody, John Chisholm here. Welcome to the All the Best podcast. It's my own special blend of motivation and devotion designed to help you find all the best in life. I just believe there's always a way to make your life better. I want to help you get there. Nothing's going to be off limits in this show. We're going to talk to amazing people from all kinds of backgrounds, beliefs, and points of view. We're going to be bringing you insights, advice, and inspiration to guide you into the coolest chapters of your life and maybe help you actually enjoy your time here on planet Earth. So buckle up, kids. This is going to be fun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. I'm always grateful that you take a little bit of time to hang out with me and the really great people that I try to serve up for each episode. You know, it'd be great if you'd take a minute to give us a positive review or share an episode out with your friends and help us bring all the best to even more people that you love. Well, my guest today is an author, a coach, a university professor, a screenwriter, and a songwriter. He's a very talented guy named Jeff Lizowitz. All right, before we start, if any profanity offends you, you may want to skip today's show. Uh, there's quite a few books out now that use some kind of profanity in the title, but Jeff was the first in the water with his delightful little book, Not Effing Around, The No BS Guide for Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground. Well, I get it. Some people are truly offended by even playing around with words like that, and we do laugh a lot on the show. So seriously, we, we don't really swear throughout our fun chat, but we dance around it. So feel free to stop the podcast right now and move on to another if that bugs you. No shame. Jeff is really creative and helps a lot of students and the people he coaches to get their creative dreams off the ground with a fun kick in the rear to take action on what they say they really want to do with their lives. And you can too. I like Jeff a lot. And we had a great conversation about embracing failure as just a stepping stone to the success that we want. And that's a powerful part of the episode that I just don't want you to miss. I think you're going to really be encouraged by this show. So here's my new Evan Best friend, Jeff Lysowitz. Jeff Lysowitz, welcome to All the Best. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, well, we're new friends, but I have been immersing myself in all things Lizawitz, Lizawitz, Liza Manelli, Lizawitz. So I'm I'm almost to the second time through your wonderful little book. I, I do Audible, so I'm I'm listening to the Audible version. Yep, not effing around. So. 
and and it's all about launching, getting your getting your dreams off the ground. So I know the book's been out a bit, but I bet you've gotten some pretty darn good response from that. Yeah, I have. I'm not exactly sure how long the book has been out, but I do often get very positive responses from people all over the world who pick it up, you know, through Amazon or Audible or whatever. So yeah, it seems to be doing doing some value, doing some good in the world. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, using the F word in a title seems to be a little bit of a trend. And I think you might have started that. I did. Mouth. I did start it. Potty mouth. You might. I think mean, that's why I started it. <laughs> I have a friend in the publishing industry and he was like, you can't do that. Like, you can't, you can't do it. And I did right. it anyway. And then, like, there are a bunch of bestsellers with the F-bomb. Yeah, the right. I'm like, oh, my God. In fact, somebody told me. They saw a whole wall in a bookstore with cuss words in a title. <laughs> Just the 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 cussing book wall. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes it's kind of a perfect word. You know, it's like it, and I'm I'm not a huge swearer, but you know, okay, so I'm not perfect, but you know, who says right. you can't use it if you need it? Well, words, words are powerful if used in the proper context and not, you know, sort of abused. So, you know, it's like uh, George Carlin says, you know, there are no bad words. It's just the intent behind yeah. the words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of the spirit that it's used. But I was very encouraged by your book and just really, it's like, man, you know, I'm going to be an NFA dude from now on because Jeff has taught me how to do that. Exactly. NFA for your listeners, not effing around. There you go. FA, <laughs> right? So that's when we know somebody's really on the ball, making moves, you know, living life, feeling the heartbeat, you know, doing Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then there's, there is a time to F around, you know, a little relaxation and hanging out. I mean, that was, I think your last chapter was like, Hey, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. And chill out and you know just don't make that your lifestyle right exactly i mean it's really about the balance right yeah. if you if you work constantly you're not you know you need you need to reduce retake a breath chill relax and that's fine the problem is many people it seems go too far into that sort yeah. of space and you know every possible second they can to not do anything they do it, but that's valuable time. And one of the biggest things we have as humans, the most valuable thing perhaps is time because you mm. never know when it's gone. Mm. Right. I think it's the only thing we really have. I've, I've thought a lot about that. We don't really own anything in this life. And even the breath we have is, is borrowed. Right. And yeah. When and the the last breath we get, man, that's when we we just we realize, okay, I really didn't have a whole lot. <laughs> I didn't have anything but that breath in my lungs. Well, in the book, there's a couple of things I'd like to just bring up because I thought they were just so cool, and I'd like to just chat you up a little bit about that. Um, I mean, all of it was great. I really really enjoyed it. It's a very short read or short listen, about an hour if you listen on Audible. Uh, but that was cool that, you know, busy lifestyle, we're all out effing around. So who's got time to read a book, but so <laughs> to put it in an hour, it was like, okay, that was cool. But 
the first thing that I, I wrote down in my notes was the whole concept of of uh, failing faster because there's no failure, only feedback. How have you experienced that? I mean, how did you come to that, and why did you put that in this book? Sure. Well, first of all, I have I have had both great success and great failure in my life. Yeah. And I've got to say the failure is probably 10 times as, as much, probably actually a lot more. So failure is a critical step on the way to success. However, failure is one of these words. We talked about the other F word. <laughs> Here's the real F word, right? Failure. People get really scared. Failure. Okay. But if we re reframe it, if we think about it in a different kind of way, failure becomes feedback. Okay, which is a lot gentler and easier to take. So you have your idea, whatever that is, your project, your endeavor, whatever you do the thing, it doesn't work out the way you'd like it. Okay. Some would call it failure here. We can say, what about feedback? So now the deal is ask as many questions as you can about everything that worked and did not work around, around this attempt at whatever you're doing. When you ask the better questions, ask better and better questions, you're going to learn from what happened, both positively and negatively. Then what do you do? You take a breath, you do it again, except this time it's going to be a little better. Are you going to fail again? Probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're doing anything big and worthwhile, probably will. And that's fine. Then you take that step back. You ask those questions again. That's going to get a little bit better each time right? Until finally you knock it out of the park. It takes time. I have talked to zillions of successful people in my life in all kinds of fields, you know, between the arts and business and all this and that. And they all say the same thing when I ask them about failure. They're like, ah, oh, shit, you know, failure. I yeah. love it and I hate it. Yeah. Because it's the only way to get to where you're going. Mm. Show me somebody that's failing a lot and i'll show you someone who is on their way to great success exactly so there's this great story i forget who where this comes from but there was a, a sales manager at a big company right and he said to all the salespeople, i will give ten thousand dollars bonus to the first person who comes back to me with 100 no's on your sales mm -hmm. call yeah Right. And people are like, okay. what are you talking about? He's like, if you get a hundred no's, you're guaranteed to be getting some yeses. That's so good. Yeah. One of the coaches that I've studied over the years says that yes lives in the land of no's. Yeah, right. That's really good. Right. But we don't That's want great. that. We're just not willing because of our pride and ego and we're not taught to fail. We're taught to go win, 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 win. And we got to go strive and we're, we're failures and we're losers if we don't win, but you're just not going to start off, you know, the game winning. You've got to learn how to lose and lose well and learn from all of that. And that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's something that I've really had to come to terms with as a songwriter. I know you're a songwriter. I want to talk about that as well. And, mm -hmm songwriters, man, I work with a lot of people that they don't really want to learn. They just want you to love what they write out of their heads. And it's like, you know, it's not crafted worth a darn, but you know, but you better love it because I'm not a failure. <laughs> so it's tough to get people to just get out 
out of their heads and just try. It definitely is. Of course, everyone would like instant success. We're in America, you know, we want, you know, I'm going to order something from Amazon or get a cheeseburger in five seconds, you know, <laughs> but, but the truth is anything worthwhile takes time, takes practice and generally takes pain to get there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you look at huge successes, you'll get, you know, Taylor Swift out there who just keeps hitting home runs basically every time she puts something out, she wrote, you know, I got to say probably hundreds, if not thousands of songs before she even got her first record deal. Exactly. And when she makes a record, you know, I don't know this for sure, but you know, any decent band or artist is going to write three, four, five times and record as many songs as go on the album. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Because you don't know yeah. if it's great until it's done. Yeah. One of our recording artist friends here in Nashville. Jason Gray, he's a pretty popular Christian artist, and he wrote, uh, I know it was over 80 songs for one EP. Wow. And it's like, come on, you know, that's really, that's dedication, and, and he's, he knows the drill, right? I'm listening to a book you might find interesting, a guy uh, named Trevor Moad, and Trevor sadly passed away a couple of years ago at 48 years old with cancer, but he was a mindset coach for pro ball teams, including mm. your beloved Seahawks and yeah. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson and that whole thing. And he was with Russell when he threw away the Super Bowl that year and uh, went through all the hell that happened after that. And it's a brilliant book. And it's kind of along these same lines, you know, that it's called It Takes What It Takes. And often, Jeff, I find that people don't want to give what it takes. They don't want to invest themselves to that level. But, you know, you're there to say, stop effing around, dude. Get it up, you know, go at this thing. Get get out of your head. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go after it. So failing faster. And and I love that idea of feedback. That's where I was trying to go with the Russell Wilson conversation there a second ago. I mean, Russell took the feedback from happened from what happened it was a bad call but he owned it he didn't blame the the coach that called it he owned it and went on to some great seasons so how is there any anything that you've learned maybe even in your own songwriting tell it maybe tell us a little bit about that and then how have you dealt with any rejection or feedback in your own journey there mm -hmm. Well, when I was just a little kid at summer camp back in the seventies, there was a counselor brought his drum kit, 70s stereo and a box of classic rocks, rock records to camp. And every night he would play these uh, records and play drums to him. And one night he invited me in to listen to him. And you know, this is Bowie and Zeppelin and Billy Joel and Tom, oh, yeah. and all this awesome stuff. And my little heart exploded you know, being in that cabin and hearing these drums. So I was always into music from that, really from that moment on. And, uh, you know, started writing songs really at about age 14. And, uh, you know, it's back in the eighties with the eight track or sorry, the four track recorder. I don't know if you had one of those, John. I did. Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Different era. So yes, I've written many hundreds of songs, I had songs placed on film and TV projects, thousands of them actually, won a big award, best independent electronic artist in the world. 
have a record of U2, uh, electronic versions of U2 songs with yeah. female singers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to check in on that. I've been hearing about that on these other podcasts. You've yeah. Been on, so. so, yeah. So a little bit about like rejection. So with that U2 album, I made the album and I took it out to get signed to labels. And I did, I got signed and this is like a lifelong dream signed to three different record labels, mm. two in Europe and one here in the North America. And oh my goodness, I was so excited. And then the 2008 financial collapse happened. Two of these three companies went bankrupt. Another one totally botched it. So it was like a complete disaster, a complete disaster. With your lifelong dream. My lifelong dream. But then I managed to get the rights back and put it out independently. And like I've said, I've had like over a million plays. Wow. Of that. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Then, so maybe not direct rejection, but maybe the hardship and overcoming some obstacles there. Well, I would call it failure. I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> if you, if but you, not you, you didn't fail. I mean, you know, the collapse and all that. Well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. The mission failed. Oh, okay. The thing was to get the music out to the world, whether it was my fault or not that, you know, gotcha. I can internalize it. And as a coach, that is something that I would really ask people, right? Did, you know, did the mission fail? Did the, the project fail or did you fail? Because what we do as humans is we often identify with things that are not helpful for us. So in this case, I failed, right? Through really no fault of my own, but I still failed. But I'm, I wasn't, I didn't consider myself a failure, right? When we start having that self-talk of I'm a failure, or instead of I lost the game, I'm a loser, right? That's where the real damage comes in. Because once that gets internalized, goes subconscious and then everything in our lives kind of runs through that uh -huh. and that will greatly greatly affect the outcomes and our decisions and our actions so as a coach i work with people very specifically on that kind of stuff i think that's so valuable and something that can often be overlooked that the experiences that turned into self-talk even early in life even as a child whether it was just internal thoughts or something that was uh, thrust upon us by significant, you know, elders or parents, teachers, older siblings, that type of thing. But we internalized that negativity and then it went subconscious and it's been effing up our lives ever since. I know that's been really true in my life in a lot of ways where mm -hmm. I've had to dig into therapy and coaching and self help and, all that to just try to, to, to come to terms with the feeling that I really was a failure and that I really didn't deserve to win in my life or to be anything or make a contribution. And I, I wasn't in a place where I could consciously turn that failure into just feedback and grow from it. I think I've done a little better in some ways, but how, if, if you're working with a client you know, how do you unearth those subconscious forces and, and messaging that drives them? How do, how do you unearth that type thing without going into some kind of Freudian 
uh, you know, psychoanalysis. Well, it's very difficult to see this within ourselves. However, for me, who's been doing this kind of stuff for quite a while, I can see it in others almost instantly. So we, you know, how do I identify it? We talk, we just, you know, hash around ideas, experiences, things like this. And I will see this come up in basically everyone in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it's a very, very real thing and something that we don't always understand about ourselves or even understand about others, whether that's friends or coworkers, spouses, you know, to realize, okay, she just hit me with a frying pan. There must be some kind of subconscious driver there. Right. Well, all there is a reason for all of our actions. Yeah. Right. And it's not, I mean, it's hardly ever really particularly obvious, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, we're coming from years, decades of experience, you know, subconscious pieces that we're not, you know, as individuals, not even aware of. And, you know, you hit the right trigger, the right moment, the right, Mm -hmm. whatever, or the wrong moment, you know, whatever. And bam, these things all come out. It's just works. So kind of out of that discussion, you know, one of the things that you point out in the book is to discover what you love and then why, and how, what would you, what would your comments be around that? You know, how can I discover what I'm laughing? Cause I I remember what you said in the book. It's like, come on, you're just not awake if you, you don't know what you love, but can I, where did that come from in your own life? How did you discover what you love and discover your why? You know, well, in some ways I'm very fortunate and found that early on in life. And in other ways, it's taken me my, really my whole life to, to get it. Mm. So like I said, with music, that was, I mean, I was a little kid, right? I didn't understand at that moment with the drum kit that I would be passionate about music my whole life. But by the time I was a teenager, I had a pretty good idea that this was not a hobby. This was something that was really a big Mm -hmm. deal for me. Much to the chagrin of my parents, you know, they were like, you know, you play guitar on the weekends, you know, go study and get a real job kind of thing. That said, my, my true why, after so many years of pursuing various, uh, creative endeavors is that at its best, creativity is a way for us to be seen, expressed, healed, and connected. Okay. And this certainly did not occur to me as a 15 year old who wanted to be a rock star, (laughs) but after all of this time, this is true. So to be seen, you know, in this world, we generally are not particularly well seen, certainly on the street, you know, online, things like that. You're basically anonymous. And then your next level of people is sort of your acquaintances, people you kind of know, maybe coworkers. Yeah, they kind of know you, they kind of get you, but they don't really, you know, and then you've got your close people and that's your good friends, your family, your partners, you know, that kind of stuff. And hopefully they get you and they see you. But in my experience, they don't always see all the parts, right? Even if they're trying. So that's the being seen part. What does it mean to be expressed in our creativity? Well, it means simply to move from the potential to the actual. So think of a poet 
who's got a ton of poems on his desk, but in that moment is not writing a poem. In that moment, that person is not expressed as a poet. You have to be, you have to, you have to be writing to be expressed. Okay. So when you are expressed and seen and creating from a, a genuine place, an authentic place, there is a sense of healing in that, in that, you know, creative process. And, you know, sometimes that comes from a dark place, you know, the catharsis, all that kind of stuff, but it can, it doesn't have to be. The healing can also be a celebration, right? What's the healing in a love song? Well, that's like, wow, all the loneliness that's come before has dissipated. You know, it's gone. That kind of thing. So when we are seen, expressed, and healed through our authentic creativity, we are, we then give our gift to the world, whatever that is. And the world does not mean Madison Square Garden. That can mean one person or a small group or something like that. When we give our gift to the world, here's where it gets really cool. We become the gift. When we give our gift of creativity to the world, we become the gift because we show others that they can be seen, expressed, healed, and connected. And that makes songwriters and artists and creators of every kind sort of like this secret, almost ninja army trying to help connect and heal the world. And that is, you know, one of the biggest problems we've got on this planet is people are not seen. They don't feel connected, right? So, so writing a song isn't just a pretty melody, although it can be that, but it can be, it can be a really powerful connector. That's why the songs that we love, right? That you as an individual love, you know, Beatles did it, you know, 50 years ago in some studio in London and you feel it when they say, you know, let it be or yesterday, like these songs are like, wow, we feel that just like everybody feels that. So in your own music, where, where does that sense of connection come from for you? What are you, what are you trying to bring out of your life in your songs? You had over 5,000 TV placements. So that sounds like, okay, you're churning out something, but your heart of hearts in your own songwriting, what is that? Well, I mean, I think that kind of depends on what is actually happening in my life at that time that the song is being written. I mean, when I tell my students, you know, you need to write about something that matters to you now, not really something that you're thinking about, but something that you're feeling about, right? Because music is not, at least pop music or pop type genres are not intellectual kind of experiences. They are emotional experience. We listen to a song so we can feel the love or feel the anger or, you know, feel the chill or feel like whatever music brings to us. And there's obviously tons of different emotions. So, you know, when I have written songs, it is, it is often, what am I feeling right now? What is the story around that? What are the words? What are the images? What, what kind of baseline feels like that 
emotion. Then you just put it all together and, you know, something happens. You you move forward, you reiterate. Sometimes you get it on the first shot. Sometimes it takes years in some cases, you know, but the, but the biggest key is being true to the present moment of your emotional experience. Mm. And just having the guts to fail and just put it, put it together, put it out best you can. Stop waiting for the music executive to come over the hill in a big black limo to swoop you up and make yeah, yeah. a superstar. Okay, and, and I just gotta, I gotta tell you there. So, what we're t- what you're talking about there is sort of external acceptance, waiting for the record company, all that kind of stuff. And yes, everybody wants that. That's really sort of ego based, right? What what we really want to do, what a successful song really does is turn you on like you write it and you're like damn i'm feeling that right that's the first thing and the most important thing that has to happen the rest of it's like marketing it's all it is yeah right Right? so you write it you produce it or whatever that is where you should be worried about you know success failure feedback Right. It's not what the, you know, the world reacting to you is a whole other piece of this. Right. Right. And, you know, it reminds me, my favorite band, you too. Somebody a couple of years ago asked Bono, Hey, you guys are seriously, seriously loaded. Right. Big, big money. Why in the world do you still break your necks making these records, touring the world? I mean, you've, you, you know, generations of your family could be totally rich. Right. And Bono says, well, we do it because it still turns us on. Mm. And as soon as it stops turning us on, we're done. Yeah. Right. Because you're right. Why else would you do it? Man, if we could all just get that back into our brains, right. You know, to, to get it into your heart. Don't worry about your brain. Get it into yeah. your heart. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Get that back into our mindset and our heart, mm-hmm. you know, heartbeat to, to realize that we create for our own joy first. And even if we're doing it commercially, if there's not an element of pleasure there for us, you know, then maybe we're missing a key element and bring you to just a couple of questions as we sort of begin to, to land the plane here. I mean, you even in your book, you said the play has its own value. Do you feel like that we've lost a sense of play, even in the reason the, the conversation we we're just having around songwriting or creating or because it's all, I don't know, just become so externally focused that I'm doing this to get, you know, someone to appreciate me. Well, if that is your, if that is your motivating factor, then yes, you've lost the play, right? And, and you, you've put your, not only have you lost the play, you've externalized your power, right? People do this all day long. And it's one of the huge things that I teach people in in coaching, right? The only true power we have is how we act in the world, how we react to the world and how we perceive the world, act in the world, react and perceive. 
we can influence the world in a bunch of ways, but we can't control anything else. Okay. So if you are losing your mind because the record executive isn't calling you back, well, that's your problem because you've literally given your power to somebody who does not care at all about you. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. We could unpack that. I know we don't really have the time to do that, but that, it, it, you know, man, it, it, you guys listening, that is so powerful for me, you know, because I've been somebody who's given my power away throughout my whole effing life. And, you know, I've learned, I, I'm getting better, you know, not to be so driven by that, but in the world of likes and shares and tweets and all that stuff. It's like, you know, it, we've, we've become such a shallow culture really worldwide, but well, before I ask my last question, you know, how, how do you like to interact with people? I know you're a coach, mm -hmm. uh, you have your music. What are the platforms that you like to interact with people on Jeff? Sure. Well, I mean, if you want to check out my music, it's, it's electron. The band is called electron love theory, electron love theory. And you can find that anywhere as well as my website. As far as the coaching goes, that's just my name, jefflizowitz.com. If you can spell Lizowitz or hopefully you'll have a link. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for yeah. sure. And I'm happy to do complimentary calls with people who, you know, think they might be able to get some value out of the coaching process. So please just go over there and you can find that page and just sign up easy. And I do. I do Zoom calls with people all over the world. How cool is that? All over the world. Yeah, absolutely, man. Digital age is, is so cool. All right. Last question. It's going to be a softball, okay? Okay. You said in your book, the universe is always quietly attempting to pull events and people together to serve everyone's highest good. What a cool, cool sentence. Do you believe that? Yeah. You think I'm write something I don't believe? It's, it's my book, man. This is, this is my, <laughs> it's my thing. I'm going to put out a bunch of bullshit. No, of course I believe that. I mean, I 100% believe it. I, I, I don't even believe it. I know it. I know it is true. However, in so many cases, it is very subtle. And it is not necessarily what people want, right? We all have these ideas of what we want for our lives and for ourselves, whatever. That is, you know, that is the ego speaking, right? And there's nothing wrong with having the ego and the individual self, but we are also part of an enormous system that is working in ways that is way beyond our capacity to understand, <laughs> right? So. If you can let go to some extent of your, you know, your desire and just flow with the energy around you, I'm not saying don't move towards your goal because you absolutely need to do that, but you also need to be fluid and open because the universe will bring you all kinds of magic, all kinds of connections all kinds of things. If you're open to it and if you're paying attention, most people are not paying attention. Okay. So I lied. It wasn't a softball. Although it kind of was, man, you were not effing around with that answer. Those are beautiful <laughs> answers. So 
That's that's a whole other show. Jeff Lizowitz, man, it's been great to have you on all the best. We're gonna put all your all the your your stuff in the show notes, <laughs> and hopefully people will connect with you because man, you you are you're cool. You're not effing around. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. I really all appreciate right. it. Thanks for hanging out with me today on All The Best. If you liked the show, be sure to share it out with your family and friends on your social media and drop me a line at john at johnchisholm.com. I would love to hear from you. I also want to invite you to jump over to my site right now to sign up for my free 31-day motivational email series. It's designed to help you go for all the best in life. If you're needing some real change, fresh motivation and inspiration, this could be just the thing to get you going. You can find it at johnchisholm.com and I'll see you next time.